Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. In three, two, one. Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Jamie Easton. This, this is the Sunday Sun. In today's episode, we hear a dermatologist's take on non-bathing celebs, Facebook's new virtual reality plan for remote working, and we find out why it pays to just do it. But first, it was this week in 2007 that the Twitter hashtag was created and first used in a tweet by US product designer Chris Messina. His first hashtag was BarCamp, which he used to promote a series of tech events. The name hashtag came from writer Stowe Boyd. 14 years later, and your dad still hasn't quite got the hang of it. Hashtag awkward, hashtag stop it, Dad. Crocodiles are some of the oldest residents on the planet. They've been around for about 200 million years. And from Crocodile Dundee to that iconic James Bond scene, Hollywood's always loved depicting humans at war with alligators. But this week, things became all a bit too real for an alligator instructor at a reptile facility in Utah, the United States. A family was enjoying a birthday party at a local entertainment zoo when suddenly the alligator in the display tank attacks. The gator grabbed the instructor's hand so she clambered into the glass enclosures to get better leverage. At that point, the alligator attempted a death roll, whipping the instructor underwater with one swift movement. One by one, the onlooking kids are taken away, and that's when a brave dad, Donnie Wiseman, leapt in to do what he could. He gets on top of the alligator and holds it down until the instructor can be pulled away to safety. This is Donnie. When asked by Insider Edition if at any point he felt like he'd made a mistake by jumping in, here's what he had to say. I didn't really even think about any of that. I was just, I needed him to let go. He was going to take her life if I didn't get in there and get her. It was a close call for this trainer and she was lucky to be able to guide Donnie with her professional knowledge. If you ever had the misfortune of going toe-to-toe with an alligator, would you know what to do? No, me neither. But lucky for us, here's someone who does. This is Corbin Maxey, a biologist, wildlife expert and owner of two alligators. Alligators, they can be dangerous, but just like with wildlife, if you leave them alone, they will more than likely want to leave you alone. You might have heard you need to play dead or go for the eyes, but if you're already in the jaws of the beast, you've just got to fight back. When you have something sudden happen to you, it's going to be very hard to be like, oh, wait, where are the eyes, you know? So I think the best thing to do would be to fight back, put up a fight. You want to give it your all. Definitely don't play dead. If you play dead, you might become dead. But there are hobbies and hobbies. Here's one that looks more like hard work, and it is. It's the keep fit craze hitting Kensington. This is where you come and punish yourself for fun, or rather for your health. We all know that regular exercise is good for us. Getting the heart rate up, breaking into a sweat, that's all great for your cardiovascular health. But do you ever stop to think how else a good workout helps? 
Exercise is the most transformative thing that you can do for your brain today. That's Wendy Suzuki, neuroscientist and author, speaking on the TED stage. And as you can tell, she's very enthusiastic about a bit of exercise. It has immediate effects on your brain. A single workout that you do will immediately increase levels of neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin, and noradrenaline. Okay, okay, that all sounds good, but what does it mean for us? How can we see the benefits? The most common finding in um, neuroscience studies looking at the effects of long-term exercise is improved attention function dependent on your prefrontal cortex. You not only get better focus and attention, but the volume of the hippocampus increases as well. Here you can think about the brain like a muscle. The more you're working out, the bigger and stronger your hippocampus and prefrontal cortex gets. But why would you want or need a bigger hippocampus? Because the prefrontal cortex and the hippocampus are the two areas that are most susceptible to neurodegenerative diseases and normal cognitive decline in aging. So with increased exercise over your lifetime, you're not going to cure dementia or Alzheimer's disease. But what you're going to do is you're going to create the strongest, biggest hippocampus and prefrontal cortex. So it takes longer for these diseases to actually have an effect. So do you have to become a triathlete to get these beneficial effects? The rule of thumb is you want to get three to four times a week exercise minimum 30 minutes an exercise session, and you want to get aerobic exercise in. That is, get your heart rate up. Bringing exercise in your life will not only give you a happier and more productive life today, but it will protect your brain from incurable diseases. And in this way, it will change the trajectory of your life for the better. Don't go anywhere, because still to come on the Smart 7 Sunday, celebrities are sparking a new hygiene debate and how the dairy industry is trying to combat its carbon footprint. You might have heard recently... I don't wash my body with soap every day. Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher have sparked a new hygiene debate. I wash my armpits and my crotch daily and nothing else ever. To wash or not to wash, that is apparently the question. The Hollywood couple were on Dax Shepard's Armchair Expert podcast and got into detail about their bathing routines, even admitting that they didn't wash their kids every day. And they're not alone, apparently. Joining them in their questionable washing practices are A-listers Kristen Bell and Jake Gyllenhaal. Depending on which side of the fence you fall on, this all frankly sounds a bit disgusting, but not to everyone. We are a little bit guilty of kind of over-showering and being slightly obsessed with cleanliness. And I think we've kind of forgotten a little bit that it's important to have a little bit bit of bacteria and it's not actually going to do us any harm. This is dermatology nurse Emma Coleman. Obviously, they are examples of people who probably would need to shower a little bit more. Um, But I don't really think it's as essential as we believe it to be. I think we can be a bit more relaxed about it, but there are limits. What about washing children? Is Mila on to something by not bathing her newborns? Some studies have shown that bathing can actually help to rejuvenate the skin in, in young infants. However, I d- again, I don't think a bit of bacteria and dirt is going to do our children any harm at all. Um, and I think we need to allow them to play and get a little bit dirty here and there. Drink your milk, kids. I don't want milk. Milk's for babies. 
Yeah, babies. Oh yeah? Well, I happen to know that milk helps build strong bones. So drink up. Whether it's to build strong bones or just to have an extra frothy cappuccino in the morning, dairy plays a big part in a lot of our lives and it's having a big impact on the environment too. The United Nations calculated that between 2005 and 2015, the dairy cattle industry's greenhouse gas emissions increased by 18% as demand for milk grows. These gases, mainly methane, nitrous oxide and carbon dioxide, are all produced at different stages of dairy farming but all contribute towards the climate crisis. So how do you reduce emissions on dairy farms? Arla Foods may have the answer. But before we come to that, where exactly do emissions on a dairy farm come from in the first place? Arla's emissions mostly come from three key areas. Uh, One is around feeds, that's how it's grown. Um, It covers things like how much artificial fertiliser may be used, how much food is grown on the farm. Um, Around 70% of feed for the cows is grown on the Arla farms themselves. Um, And it's also around methane, so the methane that's produced in the digestive systems of the cows. That's Felicity Callahan, a spokesperson from Arla. According to the new A Sustainable Future for British Dairy report, Arla farmers produce milk with 1.13 kilograms of CO2 per litre, around half the global average. That, of course, is an impressive figure, but how on earth did they achieve it? I think one of the reasons that this is so much lower for our farmers is because they're just incredibly efficient. That combined with the fact that Britain has the perfect climbing for dairy, um, you know, our our farmers are working very hard to balance the resources they have. It's about how the farms are managed, it's about the efficiencies and working with the environment around the farms. Down on Arla Farms, they've been working hard to create solutions to reduce dairy emissions. 27% of Arla's farmers are already producing green energy from wind or solar, and they're now researching how to speed up carbon sequestration, the process of carbon being taken out of the atmosphere by trees. And they're also trialling new technologies to continue to enhance animal welfare. Um, I think there's a real key thing here that if we want you know biodiversity if we want fewer emissions through natural processes and and a reduced reliance on ultra processed foods then potentially the only answer is for us to be supporting british farmers still to come on the smart seven sunday facebook's working from home solution and we speak to an engineer who turns brainwaves into speech right after this hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're listening to The Sunday 7. Follow us for your weekday news espresso, or even try our island edition. It's in all the usual places. With the events of the last couple of years, we're all trying to grapple with what work means and looks like in a new normal. We've had well over a year of working in slippers and pyjamas, but as the world opens up, more and more workers are having to return to offices. Some people, though, would rather stay put, and now Facebook has a solution to bring you together, sort of, with virtual reality. The company's launching Horizon Workrooms, a VR app aimed at reinventing virtual office spaces. 
Mark Zuckerberg sat down with Gail King to demonstrate the product for the first time on CBS this morning. It's basically a virtual reality service for collaborating together and doing work. For people who can't be there through virtual reality, they can just video conference in, so you can include everyone. But it's this pretty amazing experience where, you know, you feel like you're really right there with your colleagues. Workrooms are used on Facebook's Oculus Quest 2 VR headsets. Once inside, you can customise your own avatar. Both Zuck and King wore headsets for what Mark said was his first interview in VR. Oh my God, you've got freckles on your nose. I have freckles in real life too, so I'm you know, trying to do the best wow. with my avatar. In the workroom, you can see your computer screen and keyboard, interact with your co-workers, brainstorm and give presentations. It even features special audio so that your co-workers' voices sound like they're coming from a particular direction. You'll probably notice is you know, when I talk to you, it's yeah. coming from your left, right? Yeah. Which, yes. you know, I mean, that's, that's an important part of how you know, we as people process the sense of space that we have and presence in the world is that you know, it's not like... In, in real life, we have a grid of faces and all the sound is just coming at us from exactly the same place. Sounds like Mark's got it all figured out. Does this really mean the end of offices? Going forward, there are going to be more people who work remotely. So yeah. I think that there's, there's an important place for offices, for people to come together. But I also think that there's an important place for people who may want to live with their, you know, stay with their family or where they grew up, but also want to get access to opportunities that maybe historically would have only been in, in New York or, you know, in, in L.A. So, you know, all these tools, whether it's video conferencing or, you know, eventually being able to collaborate better in products like workrooms, I think is, is all just part of this progression of giving people more freedom to, um, to, to live where they want. Between the cat videos and trending teens, if you spend your coffee and toilet break scrolling into the TikTok abyss, you may have come across this popular sound. I don't know who needs to hear this, but do it. It may sound like a Facebook motivational post in audio form, but there's some real science behind just doing it. This was demonstrated in a very unusual online experiment conducted by Stephen Levitt, an economist and co-author of the bestseller Freakonomics. I'm interested in whether people, when they try to make big decisions, like should I quit a job, whether they make the right choices or not. The Freakonomics website allowed anyone who was struggling with a major yes-no life decision to input the details and then resolve it with a simple coin flip. We can see whether um, people who make changes, whether those people on average are happier than people who don't make changes. And then even more importantly, we can use the coin toss to figure out whether there's a causal impact of making a change on your life outcome. So they got survey evidence of what people actually did two months and six months later after the coin flip, as well as their self-reported happiness after making their decision. So what were the results? The implications are that six months later, for the people who got heads and were induced to make a change because they got the heads, the people who were on the margin who got flipped by the coin toss, they were much, much happier than the people who got tails. Of course, not everybody would follow the advice of the coin, but the results suggest that the participants that did make a big change that they were considering were happier than ones who didn't. My belief is that as a whole in society, people probably do too little changing 
too little quitting. You know, we have a saying that says, you know, um, winners never quit and quitters never win. My view is that's probably wrong, actually, and, and that quitting is probably good, and we should probably do a lot more quitting. There's so much societal pressure pushing you, pushing everyone towards persevering and not wanting to be embarrassed by quitting, when really maybe that, that's gone too far. So quitting doesn't make you a quitter. If you're trying to make up your mind on whether to make that big decision or not, the science says, do it. Most of us take for granted how easily we communicate through speech, but each year thousands of people lose the ability due to stroke, accident or disease. Now, in a world first, researchers at UC San Francisco have successfully developed a speech neuroprosthesis that's enabled a man with severe paralysis to communicate in sentences, translating signals from his brain to the vocal tract directly into words that appear as text on a screen. With further development, the approach described in this study could one day enable the speech deprived to fully communicate. My name is Dr. David Moses. I'm a postdoctoral engineer slash researcher at UCSF. Could you briefly explain how speech works? How do my thoughts go from my head to out of my mouth? As you may imagine, it's a very complicated process. I think there's over 100 small muscles that all have to coordinate together to produce fluent speech things like your lips and your jaw and your tongue and, and things like that. And so the brain area that we're very interested in, which is called the speech sensory motor cortex, certain subregions of this area correlate strongly to, for example, lip movements or tongue movements. The way in which the tongue moves can be kind of represented by how strong activity is in a certain area. So we found that this brain area is what we used in the, the study that we're going to talk about. In this study, David and his team worked with a clinical trial participant who has severe paralysis and isn't able to speak clearly. The trial involved implanting centres on the surface of the volunteer's brain and having him try to say 50 common words whilst they recorded brain activity. Using machine learning models, the researchers map the patterns in the brain activity to the words he's trying to say. Once we build these models, in real time we can then have him try to say a full sentence, for example, and we can read the brain activity to kind of detect when he's trying to speak, predict what he's trying to say, and then combine this information with a language model to actually decode sentences. This technology has to work by him volitionally trying to say the word. It's really using the brain area that would normally control his vocal tract. Even though that connection is severed because of his paralysis, the actual signals that would have been sent to his vocal tract seem to be still present and we can use those to decode and that's what's driving our our performance oh wow that's crazy that is absolutely crazy does that how does this how does this study differ from i guess other work in communication neuroprosthetics these mostly rely on using imagined hand or arm movements to spell out messages and so this can be quite nice because our approach right now is only works for 50 words we think speech is really, really important to the human experience. And so for us, represents a promising first step towards the ultimate goal of having a, you know, a fully generalizable speech assistive technology that someone could try to say anything and it will give them actually a voice back instead of having to type things out. And for, for those listening who either can't talk because of injury or illness or families of people that are 
that are in that situation. What does this mean for them? How much, how much, how much hope can they cling to that this that this will be realised in their lifetime? It sounds like it's a, it's a really promising step in the right direction. So I think that's how I would put it. There is a fair amount of hope moving forward. We hope that this work will inspire other groups to also investigate this as a possibility. Our participants, the only person who's ever shown that this is possible, really. And so we want to make sure that this approach is generalizable for people with other kinds of disabilities or even with similar kinds of disabilities. But, you know, everyone's brain is slightly different. So we really need to make sure that this is, you know, truly a reliable approach. And I think if that can be demonstrated, then the hope for a solution in our lifetime is going to be increased significantly. This has been the Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.